0: Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show. I am Chris Graham. Got Rod Mullins here. We're going to talk some NASCAR news. And, of course, we'll talk about the Southern 500 uh, a little later. We're going to push that back, though, because one of our favorite people in all of NASCAR has some big news, Rod. Uh, Let's talk about Denny Hamlin. I'll say the name. Uh, uh, JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing, announcing today a multi-year extension for, for Hamlin. Um, I don't know. I mean, surprising news. He could have he could have gone to his own race team. He decides to go to Joe back with Joe Gibbs. What do you think of all this?
1: I wonder if there's a gag order in here, <laughs> something that silences him for the rest of the multi-year. Con- no, I don't know. It really didn't surprise me all that much. Um, I think they were close to coming up with a solution to this contract thing. And you know, besides that, Denny Hamlin's kind of been the guy in the Joe Gibbs racing stable that you know probably more than anything else pardon the pun was more stable than anybody else you know Kyle Busch the situation happened with him and it seemed like that they just didn't do a, a go, uh, gosh a, a good job of negotiating whatsoever to try to keep him there but i think it was also probably some other reasons too and i think it was you know losing the M&M's sponsorship kyle didn't really have a lot of favor with some people um for short he just pissed some people off and you know when you're in one way hard uh, you know kind of a hard product to sell it's going to be it's going to be more difficult and so you had these race car owners like richard childress who was anxious to get a hold of this driver and mold him In such a way that he would be an effective driver almost immediately and that's what he did uh denny hamlin kind of brings some stability to this joe gibbs racing organization that has seen the uproar here over the last couple of years um i think it was a a big move by joe gibbs because he knows how important that he is and hey it also holds on to that uh Toyota sponsorship and that Toyota being able to work back and forth with 2311 Motorsports. Um, it's it's a little bit surprising in one way that he decided to stay, but um, I think he's satisfied now that he's going to probably retire there at Joe Gibbs Racing and then be able to make the move on into ownership at 2311.
0: So here's, here's a sort of philosophical question, theoretical question. I don't know what it is, uh, a okay. hypothetical. If you're Denny Hamlin um, and you're your team co-owner and you're a driver um, mm-hmm. and you're a driver for a different team, why don't you take less money to drive for your own team or whatever you have to do? I, you know, because then you're driving, I mean, then you're, then you're both in one place instead of having to having these split loyalties. I don't know. I mean, I know it's, it's, this is unique to NASCAR. You'd never see yeah. this in any other sport, but, but maybe if you have any idea as to the the thinking there uh, or what the thinking might be, uh, maybe think uh, help us think through that.
1: Well, I you know it's 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 kind of a tough one to actually you know call on this. Um, is it good for NASCAR in, in such a way? Yeah, I guess so because Brad Keselowski has kind of made the transition over to part ownership of RFK Racing, uh, but you know still you know, he's driving, but he's driving for his own race team. This is a different situation. This is Joe Gibbs racing. This is 2311. We've got, you know, separate entities, separate, but they're, you know, they're joined at the hip, so to speak. That's about the best way I can say it. I guess if you get Denny Hamlin, you hold on to him, there's going to be an existence for 2311 Motorsports. Now that's what I'm looking at. Um, You know, philosophically, Um, I don't know if it's a good move for him. I mean, I think in one way he probably would have been better off maybe going on to his own race team, but then Joe Gibbs could ill afford to lose him plus Toyota going to that race team. And then they switching over to, they will be the only, besides legacy motor club next year, they'll be the only ones with, you know, Toyota sponsorship. So it kind of solidifies that. It kind of keeps it in place. Um, he's put himself in a position where I think he's he's got to perform and he's got to do well in order to carry over. But, hey, what's to say here in the next couple of years that, you know, this multi-year agreement that he's got, that he's signing, um, that there's some kind of stipulation, there's some kind of clause in it that allows him to step back And then quite possibly go into ownership, you know, what he's doing right now, but Michael Jordan's kind of running things. Um, But you know that split loyalty thing is, is rough. I don't, I just don't know how it pans out. Um, I know Bubba Wallace has kind of made mention about it, about some things with, you know, ownership, you know, got to get out of the way for my part owner out of this as he runs down the track and so forth. Um, It's a, It's a Pandora's box. That's about the best way I can say it.
0: It'd be a little different if Bubba was getting out of the way of of his uh, teammate and co-owner, our our part owner, right? Yeah.
1: And, I mean, even (sighs) if he's trying to get a lap back on a particular part of the race, you know, Bubba's racing. Bubba's racing the same way that uh, you've got uh, the other drivers and so forth, Ty Gibbs. You know, that's probably another thing right there that keeps that a little bit more solid in there. But who knows what's going to happen with Christopher Bell. We don't know what's going to happen to Christopher Bell. We know Martin Truex is going to come back, or at least that's the talk of it right now. He's coming back. So um that kind of puts Ty Gibbs off another year. So we'll see how that goes in a couple of years when he decides to come uh, finally leave. Martin Truex does. Does it open up for Ty Gibbs to go over to Joe Gibbs Racing? This has just been a proving ground for him. But, you know, it's like I said, it's a Pandora's box. I mean, You're kind of in a situation, if you're one of the drivers, if you're Tyler Reddick, Ty Gibbs, you know, and also Bubba Wallace, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't is what ends up happening. If you try to win a race and you try to beat the boss out, you're damned if you do. Then you go and then something happens and you wreck the boss or the boss wrecks you or something. You're damned if you don't. You know, what do you do out of this whole situation? So yeah, you've you've opened up that. And there's a lot of things to think about.
0: I was uh, I'm trying to find a list and it, I don't know how authoritative this is, but when you look at a list of of the top 10 highest paid NASCAR drivers, because, of course, you know, they sign contracts. There were the terms of, of deal, the deal, by the way, for Denny Hamlin, not revealed. So we don't. Right. Okay, but what we heard, multi-year extension, I'm assuming gobs of money. Um before this, uh, before this extension, he was already the second highest paid driver, uh, behind right. Kyle Busch. So, uh, uh, and he was making 13 million, 13.1 million a year. So I imagine it's the kind of thing where he probably was given a, you know, an offer that, you know, okay, I can either drive from my own team or I can right. take an obscene amount of money, uh, and continue with a team that I'm already very familiar with and feel very comfortable with. So, Um, but that's got to be a hard choice on his part because I think he laid it out well. It's, it's, it's gotta be awkward uh, for everybody involved.
1: Yeah. And here's another thing too, that I I just really came to me when we were talking about this a little more, we really don't know what the health status of Joe Gibbs racing Joe Gibbs is altogether. Um, I know that they have been probably one of the most successful race teams under his tutelage and, you know, the ownership there that he's had with it, but, and you know, Joe Gibbs is getting up there in age. I mean, he's probably what, in his 70s, I guess, or maybe close to 80, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's he's at the racetrack most of the time. But what if this opens the door up for him at one point to go and you know say, I'm stepping away from the I'm stepping away from the sport. And so I'm going to give the option for Danny Hamlin in this case with 2311 Motorsports to buy in you know, have a chance to buy into the race team and merge them together before it's over with. That could happen. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it just depends on what his health is. And I know that he's, you know, he, it's like everybody else. We're not getting any younger <laughs> and he's definitely not. I, although he is still, you know, pretty, you know, pretty fit for his age and so forth, gets around pretty good. But, you know, I start wondering after a while, you know, When's it going to be time? When's it going to be time for him to step away? Um, sort of like what happened with Richard Petty. Sort of, you know, Richard Petty's 80, 80, 81, somewhere in that neighborhood, or 84 somewhere, I believe, what he might be. And, um, you know, he really can't represent the team as well as he used to. I mean, he travels, name recognition helps him a lot, but he really doesn't have a say in the race team so to speak because the times have changed and i think that's what's going to happen eventually with joe gibbs he knows the old way of how to race things but denny hamlin's got that old version and also the nude where he kind of brings a new dimension to it if that's what he ends up getting into i see here
0: uh uh, petty's 86 and and Gibbs is 82 so yeah he's he's definitely um you know, he, he, he's no spring chicken either. Uh, none of us. Yeah, are, he, he certainly.
1: Well, and, and Richard Childress, I know Richard Childress is up there too in age. And he's, you know, he's pretty fit also. I think, um, gosh, maybe mid to late 70s, I think is Richard Childress. So you've got a lot of this old guard. Yeah. The old 70s. racing guard out there. He's 77, Childress is okay well you see you got this old guard that's going to be changing yeah uh it's changing right now before our eyes yeah and we're seeing the new generation of nascar is what we're seeing and that's the influx of this young talent plus young owners coming in to state their you know make their claim will i see well will we see kevin harvick quite possibly get into a race team don't think so not at this point i think he's Going to be quite satisfied with the racing deal and being in the in the booth for Fox for the next couple of years while he works there at the press box. Um, he's, he's awfully satisfied with uh, his young son Keelan's racing career. He does a lot of open wheel, kind of small little midget uh, race cars is what he specializes in. And so a lot of his time is spent with Keelan. This is going to kind of free him up to be able to spend more time with his son. But he's also going to be doing more broadcast. I don't see him getting into um, NASCAR ownership unless the opportunity presents itself. Who knows? I mean, I never would have thought that uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kevin Harvick, and some of the others got together and bought the uh, or bought into partnership or whatever with the CART uh, series. They bought this uh, late model sportsman series that travels around mostly in the south. And I would have never thought about it. But Kevin Harvick's not got a stake in that now. So could it be Dale Earnhardt Jr. and him get together eventually? I know they've had some problems. They've kind of worked through some problems, but it sets it up. Could he or could he not? We'll just have to wait and see.
0: Lots of good stuff on the back end of, of NASCAR there. I was just looking up the, what it costs to, to, to run a team. It's about $20 million a year to run a NASCAR team. I was yeah. trying to find – what what we could if we had any numbers that we could access on what the most recent purchases of a new team uh, and i couldn't find anything there but yeah buying a new team so so i was i was thinking that in the context of all these drivers who are maybe aging to the point where they're going to retire from active racing but are now getting ready to transition to the next stage which could be uh buying or 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 starting their own team uh what it would take and it's it takes some money i mean not only the 20 million dollars maybe to buy the team but then $400,000 Four hundred thousand per week uh, is the estimated right. cost to 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 run each race and, and be prepared, and you know, you gotta pay your, you got to pay your driver everything else. So if you if you want to, you know, a really good driver, it's going to cost you more than twenty million per year because I was giving those figures for what the, the top drivers making. They're making over ten million a year. So,
1: well, let's just say this: Justin Marks, when he got into the racing deal, um, you know, he had some backing, he had some financial backing to help him get into track house racing. And it definitely didn't hurt to get Pitbull's, you know, input and love of NASCAR to kind of help him out a little bit. And it's kind of paid for itself, even though they've struggled at different times. And, you know, look what they did. They took away a major sponsor out of Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick's sponsor for 2024, and that's Bush Light or Bush Beer. So, you know, it's changing. It's changing ever so much. And we're seeing... More and more different kind of sponsors getting involved in this sport. So a lot of it is going to depend on the sponsorship, definitely going to depend on the economy and the way things go with the economy. Um, you know, I've mentioned this before, um, win on Sunday, buy on Monday. Hey, that's out the door. You don't have that anymore. It doesn't exist
0: looks like uh charters are now going for 20 million dollars uh so um yeah. and then then on top of that you have to have your your infrastructure so yeah it's 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 a business it's an expensive business and then you got to find your sponsors you got to have success all that fun stuff um i don't know track so hey speaking of success on the track let's let's uh, review that first playoff race down at darlington southern 500 and uh, we have our first uh, winner in the playoffs who will advance to the next round. Kyle Larson uh, coming away with the win. He had had success in, in one sense. He He'd been pretty successful in terms of, you know, having lots of laps led in previous right. races in Darlington. He just never won one. He never led the last lap. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he finally led the last lap, actually led the last 55 laps, so uh, mm-hmm. nice win for him, nice way to finish the race out. Denny Hamlin, frustrating day for him because he had he he led the most laps on the day, uh, but he had a couple of technical issues on back-to-back
1: laps, so um, Larson uh, punches his ticket to the next round. Mm-hmm. He does, and he does so, I think, in kind of convincing fashion yeah. the way he did it. Uh, he kind of just was hanging around right there till the very end. Uh, it wasn't a thing of charging up through there to try to go ahead and, you know, try to push somebody out of the way he was patient. And I think that's what got him, uh, got, what got him the win, I think more than anything else. Um, but you go back through the field and, you know, disappointing day for Denny Hamlin, like we already mentioned, you mentioned it. Uh, but you know, for some of the other drivers, um, some of them had some good, good races. Um, Hey, this points thing. This changed everything. Kevin Harvick was up there, what, top 10, I think, is what he was before. Now he's down to something like 12th or 13th, somewhere in that And of the he, list.
0: I see him at 14th now, yeah.
1: 14th, okay. Yeah. So I was close. I mean, I yeah. knew that yeah. he was – it had demoted him, so to speak, yeah. down in the list. And some of the other drivers it did, too. I think Martin Truex kind of got bumped down a couple of notches there also. But – you had Kyle Larson immediately goes to the top of the top of the pack. William Byron is still hanging around there because of the winds and so forth. but this thing is shuffling. It's constantly shuffling and it's going to shuffle by the time they get to Kansas. This is the midway point before we get to the cutoff, which will be at Bristol in about another week. And so um yeah, some of these guys the the most bizarre thing I think that happened of the night, was Alex Bowman and Daniel Suarez. They got in a wreck. Um you know, both of them were out of it. They were out of the playoff picture, but um Alex Bowman was trying to drop to the lower part of the track. Then he comes back up. Daniel Suarez follows him. I know what Suarez was probably thinking, you know, hey, I need some clean air. I'm I'm trying to break this a little bit, but I'm staying with you. You're moving. You know, we might be able to do something. And Lo and behold, Suarez taps him, and, um, you know, Alex Bowman wasn't too happy after the race. He just said, you know, the 99, he says he does some stupid things. That's about all he said about it, but, you know, he was right. Suarez was like, you know, I wanted a position. I was looking for a position, and I didn't get the position, and so, you know, he was in my way, so therefore, I'm going to go and do what I think is Best for me and best for my team, and that's what he tried to do. And unfortunately, it resulted in both of those cars being knocked out of the thing completely. So Kevin Harvick dropped a few spots, and he's on the wrong side of the line right now. Bubba Wallace
0: moved up three spots. He's, he's still not on the right side of the line uh, as far as top 12 goes to get to the uh, second round. But he moved up to 13th, and he's uh, one point behind Christopher Bell, who's in 12th. Joey Logano is uh, at 2033, three points ahead of Wallace, two points ahead of the cut line. And then there's a, a big jump up. Ross Chastain has a 10 point margin on those guys. Harvick is down in 14th. He's just a point behind Wallace. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 2027, 20, he would be four points behind the line. So there's what would that be? One, two, three, four, five racers within five drivers within six points of each other uh, on either side of that cutoff line with two races to go. Uh, and there's some names there. There's some guys who, uh, you know, who, who've had success. There's Bubba Wallace. Who's looking
1: to have success for the first time. Uh, that should make for some interesting racing in the next couple of weeks. Yep. It should. And, you know, you've got the other thing too, looking at it, you know, one of the most recent winners, Michael McDowell dropped him 19 points. Oh yes. And then you've got Christopher bell. Who's currently in 12th and in that final transfer spot that he's got on point. So, you know, if, They have a bad race this coming weekend at Kansas. Um, It could be that Michael McDowell is out. He could be out by the time he gets to Bristol and, you know, further down the line if he doesn't finish the race. Um, Christopher Bell could hold on and kind of hold there tight, kind of stay within that range. It's always funny watching the race, too, when they get there and you see one lap plus five. Then you go minus five when somebody else swaps, you know, taking over the position. And it's kind of interesting to see that. And that's what we're going to be seeing this coming weekend at Kansas. We'll definitely be seeing more of it when we uh, go to Bristol. But uh, Kansas, this is a racetrack that is, um, some, uh, some of the drivers, it has, it's been good for. Especially as I look back on it, going back some of the dates here, Joe Nemechek won back in 2004. That was race number 30 on the schedule. Then you had Tony Stewart come in there. Then Greg Biffle. That's some of the old names that we talk about sometimes with NASCAR. And then we get down through here. You see Kevin Harvick winning the race in 2013. Joey Logano dominated, took both races in October 2014 and 2015. Kevin Harvick came back, won that race. Martin Truex in 2017, he won that one. Chase Elliott only has one victory. Right now in racing at Kansas, but that was the one in 2018. Denny Hamlin won in 2019. But then you have Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, and Bubba Wallace last year. Now, if Bubba can win this one, if they can regain that magic, Bubba Wallace could be setting in, he could be setting in, you know, a good position coming by the time that they get to Bristol, but he'll still have to race as hard as he can at Bristol in order to come away with a decent finish for that cutoff spot because he can ill afford to have something happen to him at Kansas and also at the same time at Bristol.
0: Yeah, that's why I didn't even mention Michael McDowell's name. He finished 32nd in Darlington, right. and he is so far behind right now that, uh, yeah, he, he is definitely on uh, on watch for potentially just completely falling out of this before we even get to Bristol. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I know Bristol still, you know, we have the Kansas race to go, but you'll be at Bristol. Um, yeah. And, you know, I love the fact that, uh, you know, you'll be able to be there for a cutoff race. That's that's just that's just awesome. And, you know, uh, and, and, and Bristol you know, being a, a short track with a lot of banging and bumping and swapping paint mm-hmm. and everything else. I mean, that's a perfect race to have as a playoff
1: cutoff race. Yeah, it is. Here's here's something else, Chris, too, that I'm, I pointed out, or I'm getting ready to point out to you, um, about clinching via points. Uh-huh. Okay, Some of these drivers, Tyler Reddick could only clinch with help. He has to have help in this. Now, the same point requirements would hold true if a new win comes from William Byron, Tyler Reddick, Chris Busher, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, or Joey Logano. Now, Keselowski doesn't have a win on the season, but he's higher up there in the points that could help out some other drivers down through here. Now, William Byron can clinch a spot with 53 points, 55 points if Reddick, Buescher, Hamlin, or Truex wins, and he needs help if Bush, Keselowski, Blaney, Chastain, or Logano win. That's That's the scenario we're facing here. Most of these drivers, Tyler Reddick, Busher, Hamlin, Truex, Kyle Busch, all of those could clinch only with help. But if there's a new winner from Christopher Bell or another winless driver lower in the standings, still eligible to advance to the next round, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the 10th winless driver in the standings. So any of these, Byron, Reddick, Busher, Hamlin, Truex Jr., Bush, Keslowski, Blaney, Chastain, that's what it would take. And then you've got some people that could clinch only if they win. And these are the drivers that have already won. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that's going to happen with this shuffling back and forth that'll take place at Kansas and also at Bristol. And, you know, I am looking forward to Bristol again. Um, This is hopefully going to be a sellout race. Darlington was a sellout. Uh, they were talking about Darlington. They said, you know, and the thing that kind of gets me too, um, NASCAR never really reveals, you know, what their ticket sales, how many people were sitting there in the stands, but they'll, you know, the track will say sellout. We had a sellout uh-huh. and that may be true, but, um, you know, definitely, I think there's going to be some uh, definite fan support when they go to Kansas, but I'd love to see Bristol filled to the brim because I think it would just be one heck of a night to see this kind of race, And there's going to be a lot of beating and begging like you said. There's going to be fighting for those playoff spots. And this is the cutoff. There's going to be some people that's going to go away empty-handed. They're going to be going away crying. They're going to be going away angry. Any way you look at it, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough night for some of these drivers. That is Saturday,
0: September 16th. We have to Get through Sunday, September tenth, uh, three p.m. start in Kansas. Right. It's the Hollywood Casino Four Hundred, but yeah, we got some stuff to look forward to here. And You definitely do. You get to go down to Bristol and, and catch it all there in person. So, uh, well, Rod, uh, we will we will break away. Uh, thank you as always for your time and your insight.
1: Appreciate it. Hey, did you enjoy your trip to Nashville? By the way,
0: I did probably a little too much. Uh, I left uh, here with a little <laughs> bit of a cold, and I think just because. Oh, I was- okay. I was so busy down there. In addition to the football, uh, which kicked off early in the day, uh, I, I ran into, uh, I caught up with a friend down there uh, Friday night. Uh, he, a local, who's uh, mm-hmm. uh, gave me a great uh, tour of the non-touristy places. Uh, we went to a, uh, the Station in a, a really vaunted uh, bluegrass spot. Uh, caught some music there and and, and to- uh, drove up and down Music Row. Uh, then on Saturday, actually, uh, uh, my wife texted me during the game and said that there was a uh, a singer that we had written about uh, when she was a teenager from who's from the Rockbridge County, Lexington area, right. area mm-hmm. who was singing at Allen Jackson's bar. Uh, but I had to get there. She was pl- playing the afternoon shift and she she got done by she was going to be done by six. So I wrote all my post game stories, hurried over there like a one mile walk from the stadium Got in, got to catch her for 45 minutes or so. Then, uh, then yeah, then I did a bar crawl until about midnight. Uh, I think uh, between all of that, uh, you know, and, and, and the flying back and forth, uh, I'm exhausted. And I think that, so the little bit of a touch of a cold that I had before this, my mm-hmm. immune system shot and it finally caught up to me. So, uh, so I earned, I earned what I've got here because I definitely had lots and lots of fun.
1: Well, I can say this. The Tennessee fans went easy on me. This past week. That's <laughs> the good nice thing. Guys. They went easy on me. Um, uh, you know, I was kind of expecting, I said to one of the students the other day at school, they're a big Tennessee fan. And I said, Hey, you didn't catch me bragging about Virginia. Virginia is going to do this. And Virginia is going to do that. You didn't catch me doing anything like that. And she said, no, you're right. You didn't. And I said, because I knew our tail was going to be whipped before we did anything else. But now if I'd really wanted to go out on a limb, uh, uh-huh. I would have never, in my wildest dreams, ever thought of Duke beating Clemson the way that they did. Oh, no. And yeah. there are people right now that they are loving this. I've got one student that's a big Duke fan. He says, "Just guess what? It's going to be going to be whipping time when we have to face Virginia." And I said, "Hey, I'm not going to complain in football. Now, basketball, I might complain about, but you know, still, um, Duke may be on the on the rise. They were, I think, in some of their games last year, but." They After won this games. big win, wow! Yeah, they
0: they won nine games last year, but they yeah. came into this game with, oh well, that was last year, you know, they, maybe it was a fluke, Uh, and then they beat Clemson by twenty-one, Uh, yeah. biggest game in in school history, just because it was on the campus there, at Duke. I've been to I've been to football games at Duke before, and it's a a place that generally, uh, I mean, even when I, I saw the uh, the the Goodyear blimp shot, I, I assume it was a Goodyear mm-hmm. blimp shot uh, over the stadium when the You know, early in the game, and you could see there was half the stadium was blue, half the stadium was orange. I mean, there were a lot of Clemson folks who drove up from South Carolina. Uh, You know, those folks weren't there in the second half as much
1: because. Oh, no, I saw a lot of empty seats (laughs) over on the other sideline. I saw a lot of empty seats. Yeah, that
0: wasn't Duke people leaving. That was all those Clemson people who's like, I can't believe we drove up here for this. So,
1: (laughs) I know you know tough
0: night tough night for them tough night for the ACC in one respect uh, just because you know Clemson National cashier but Florida right. State big win uh over oh, LSU yeah. dominant yeah. win over LSU so uh they're at, they're number four in the country now uh, Duke is in the top 25 uh Tennessee moved up to number nine I think uh having seen them in person now they're they're pretty good uh so uh yeah college football has started and it's it's a good time of year when football's starting nascar's in the playoffs baseball's getting ready to head to their playoffs it's a good time of year to be a sports fan
1: yeah and if you're brian kelly you learn not to put uh locker room fodder up on the wall and say we are going to demolish you know
0: <sighs> and now he's to trying to say thing. he didn't say that uh you got tape uh <laughs> he's, he's, on, he's
1: on tape he's quoted so
0: yeah, it's recording um yeah so yeah that's uh it's all fun hey this is this is a good time of year to be a sports fan we're very lucky And uh, we're lucky to be able to do this. Well, Rod, again, thank you for your time. Look forward to talking again soon.
1: Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks.